Hey guys, Jake the Podcast Guy here, and welcome to Sunday Night Teacher Talk on Teacher Class Off Radio, where CJ Reynolds answers your questions live and in real time. You can participate in the show every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Real Rapper Reynolds YouTube channel. If you missed the live show, don't worry. Each episode is uploaded the following Monday to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join our Facebook group to communicate with other educators from around the world. Now, on to the episode. And just like that, we're in there, kids. Um, man, sometimes there's just stuff going on. Right, I just plan, and now all of a sudden there's a St. Patrick's Day parade happening across the street from our house, and uh, there is it just created a lot of commotion in my life. Anyway, welcome. And so, it's <laughs> how school is sometimes, right? You kind of like prepare, and everything's ready, and then they're like, "Guess what? Fire drill." Guess what? Ten announcements over the speaker that's going to drive me crazy and, and uh, distract my students and, and kill my buzz or my vibe that, that I got building in class. So that's where we're at. Um, and so what do you do with that? I mean, that's a whole question. And I think that there's we could probably get into it and talk about that a bit. Um, and I even had a plan. I had something I wanted to share with everyone that I was thinking about on the front end here. Um, and... One so yesterday I got I had the real honor of speaking at uh, commencement. I was the commencement keynote for Rutgers University's alternate route teacher program, and so about I don't know three hundred and some teachers were all gathered on there. And uh, one of the things that kind of came up was um, getting kids to do like how kids don't want to do anything, and there's this really great. There's this really great talk on uh, a TED talk that Seth Godin gave where Seth Godin asks everyone in the crowd to raise their hand as high as they can. Can everyone raise your hand as high as you possibly can? And so everyone does. And he goes, now just raise it a little bit higher. And right there, everyone raises a little bit higher. And he goes, why didn't you just raise it that high the first time? And he said, because we have been trained by sometimes menial jobs and sometimes by, by school to do just enough to get by because if we do if we because we're always going to be asked to do more so if you do all you can all they're going to do is ask you for more and if you think about it right if you have a kid in class that like finished all their work they did it all on time they got everything finished and then what is the reward oftentimes for doing your work well and fast and, and efficiently is getting more work and that's not what anyone ever wants so it we've sort of been indoctrinated in this way, and so I, I've just been thinking a lot about um, about that in my head. And when we're trying to get kids to do stuff, it's about building in a why, but then having a plan in place for like what is what's the incentive of getting this done on time? What is the incentive of not turning this in late or handing it in early or or things of that nature? It's really coming up with a plan for your classroom as to how you're going to meet some of those. Uh, expectations so that we are creating spaces where kids are going above and beyond where kids are actually engaging with the work that we're doing. Uh, and that's maybe a whole nother video to talk about. But with uh, with that being said, my name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, a show where we talk about basically everything education and beyond with one goal in mind, and that is to help you be the teacher you're called to be. And I don't do this by myself. I do it with all of my cohort of uh, amazing people in the community here in the comment section 
And um, yeah, so look, if you have a question, please just put it right in the chat. Uh, you can put a Q or the word question next to it. it. helps us out. It helps us identify it faster. My wife is spinning seven plates over here at once. Um, but that's the game that we play. Everything good out there? Yeah, we're all good. I had to do some, some momming and some parenting. Right yeah, some parenting triage real quick. I saw. Mm -hmm. it was, I good. could see it on their faces. All good. Uh, let's kick it. All right. Well, our first question. I don't really know if this is for you or for just general the comments, oh. but... We're going to throw it to you anyway. Rob M. is asking, what do you want from a substitute for your classes? Uh, when I, I, that may be even easier to answer and say, like, what do I not want? Because I know that, like, mm -hmm. I had a sub last week, and I went in the class, and there was food everywhere. There were, I didn't tell you this, there were Cheerios all over my room. Oh, and somebody ate at my desk, and it looked like they never <laughs> ate before. It looked like. It looked like Cookie Monster ate Top Ramen. And it was just all teenagers, on all my stuff. And so they said that, like, then they were messing with my smart board. And the kid said it was glitching and it wasn't working well. And it was, like, all this stuff happening. And it's like, yo, what are you doing? Um, I went in and there were, my desks were all drawn on and stuff. So I think more than anything, I would want someone that... Is not I don't need anyone to teach. I just need someone to make sure that the kids understand what's being asked for, that they can access the things that are being asked for. So if something's on Schoology, you have the ability to navigate Schoology on some level to make sure the kids have what they need. Um, and then you're minimizing distraction. So when you're a sub, like I don't care if my kids listen to music. I don't care if they, uh, I want them to do the work, but I want them more than anything not to mess anything up. Um, because they realize that it's like, you know, I don't know that you have any speciality in, in, in the subject matter that you're teaching. So I think that it's just, it is more than doing it, giving the kids anything. I think it is eliminating distractions. It is creating a safe and quiet and equitable space for students to be able to do the work that they've been given to do. And I think that's where I kind of come off the jump with that. But yeah. Interesting. All right, our next one comes from Holding it down. My buddy, ooh. Um, asking, how do you know when your class is too easy? What are ways to increase your rigor or hold higher expectations? Also, hope you are all holding up. Thanks, man. So that's a great question, man. Um, I think if everyone is moving too quickly through what you're doing, that's a telltale sign. Um, if you realize you have too much time if the kids are doing it too quickly, if they are, if the grades are, are too high, right? It's sort of like, yeah, we all want kids to succeed and to have high grades in our, in our classes. And because if your grades are equaling student mastery, um, you know, outside of that, I, I, I think it's something to be mindful of, of yeah, I keep going. Oh, it's all right. My son is wearing well, a green to go to a bowler hat. He looks like Watson. Wow. My son looks like the Monopoly man right now. Um, so other than that, you know, but what you don't want is it to be too easy. So if you think about lifting weights, right? Like it's great when you can get your reps up there and you're lifting more weight. But all that means is you just have to add more weight on. Otherwise, you're not growing. Otherwise, you know, stress that like controlled stress is what makes us grow. Deadlines are efficient because they stress us out enough and they give you a deadline to get something done. Otherwise, who knows when it would get done. Um, so I think it is incrementally bring it up. So like, 
you know, if I think about even our vocab for the week, <clears throat> we do vocab lessons. I'm making a video about this right now, but basically it is like we start the week with just words. Then the next day it's connect those words um, to a to a GIF or a meme that is held up there. So like you have to hold up your word so that it matches the GIF or the meme. Uh, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, we do music where we play different songs that the theme of the song, the vibe of the song, the lyrics of the song are going to connect to one of the vocab words. So you have to hold up that word and then so on. And so it gets more and more difficult as the week goes on. Uh, but that is in hopes of, of upping the rigor. So I think it's just, you know, when you think about that, buddy, it's, it's this idea of upping the ante a little bit, right? It's rigging the game to win, but just upping the, the ante a little bit. And then as time goes on, you start feeling out like, are the kids getting this? Are they not getting this? Are they understanding what's going on? Um, and so it's it's moving the needle just a little bit at a time instead of like trying to like recreate the whole thing. Like that's gonna that's gonna just stress you out. So that's that's where I would start with that. Okay, we're gonna go. Take your time. I know you're dealing. You're playing mom, and okay. uh, we're gonna go with this question. I don't know if it's really for you or if it's just to the group again. Okay. Um, it says, "Hi guys, is anyone else feeling more tired than normal, or is it just me?" No, uh, I think I'm feeling more tired than normal. But you know, one of the things that's coming up in my life that I'm learning about right now. Is that when you got when y'all think like living through a pandemic is trauma, right? And so I think sometimes we only attach the word trauma to things that are like what's happening in the Ukraine right now. Like those folks are going to deal with some trauma. Um, if you think about someone that was like had a really rough childhood and like they were beaten or they were abused in some way, shape, or form that is trauma but like living like having an expectation of what class is going to look like school's going to look like life's going to look like and then having that taken away completely for many of us right so like teaching through a through a microphone and a, and a camera for uh, a year and a half and then even when you go back into school everything that you're entering back into post pandemic or or this part of the pandemic is with strings attached, right? It is now we're teaching, but we're teaching through a mask. We're teaching with hand sanitizer all over the place. We're teaching with um, no group work. We're teaching with, there are all these kind of limitations and, and things that are attached that are stopping us from just going full tilt back into what we did. And I don't think that we give enough credit to that and the toll that that takes on your emotional, um, your emotions and on your inner life, right? It's it, it, which in turn takes a toll on your outer life. So we are, it's all this sort of added stress that we've kind of gotten used to. And look, teachers are real good at getting used to stress. Teachers are real good at like swallowing it, taking it, taking one on the chin again and again and again and again, and not really noting that like we, we are dealing with a lot of stuff, not to mention things like secondary trauma things like uh, tr uh compassion fatigue um where like you're not the one who's actually going through the thing all the time but the students are and when students are going through something and they share that with you that can wear on you over time if you're not taking time and space to heal from a lot of that stuff and that look that's not something i say because i got it down it's something i say because i'm working through it all the time this is something like i am currently in in the thick of trying to navigate 
how do we deal with all the asks on our time, on our space, on our energy? Uh, and so um, if you think about life in terms of like what gives you energy and what takes energy, it's really interesting to think about like how much of your life is actually giving you energy. And and right now I think there's just a lot of draws on, on energy as people. So I have this one hair that's like, <laughs> I see just want to note it. I'm going to just pull it down all the way. Keep pushing it back. Trying to, trying to get it in control. It's, it's like I'm seeing it in the video. It's like, <laughs> oh, there it goes. <laughs> it's like a cat toy. Anyway. All right. Our next it's part of my trauma, hair trauma. Uh, Shanzi um, is asking, what kinds of strategies do you think work best to help students <clears throat> build up their mental stamina? I've also heard it called grit or mental toughness. Thanks for everything you all do. So that's a great question, dude. So I think. One, I've heard it argued that, so my students, uh, most of them live in inner city Philadelphia, most of them from West Philadelphia, right? Which is a pretty violent place at the moment. Um, we had like close to 600 gun violence deaths and, and we've lost a whole bunch of students over the last handful of years. Um, when you're coming out of that, there is a level of grit that happens naturally that our kids just have, right? They just keep coming to school. They keep doing work. They keep showing up. And that takes grit. That takes a level of fortitude that I'm not sure most people even realize they have. I think they do have it, but I'm not sure everyone realizes that they have it. So that being said, there is that level of, of grit there. Now, there's survival grit and there's grit that's like, I believe in myself. I believe in what I can do. I believe in my future. I believe that this is all going somewhere. I don't know that most students have that. I, and I, I, don't, I would argue that most of my students struggle with that. doesn't mean they don't have it again. just means that they're struggling with it. So what do we do with that? So I, I, or, or what does that look like in class? I would say that looks like um, students have a pretty low threshold for um, sticking to something. I, I would argue that most of my students suffer from like a reading fatigue or like they don't have the capacity that if there is a a test with a closed reading section on it, right? Which most of my tests have, the students will not read the entire page. What they do is they read the beginning of it. They get tired. They then look at the questions and try and find the questions in the text instead of just reading the text. And if there's one thing, I had a professor one time that uh, in college that said, um, I went from like a C or D student to an A student. And the only thing I changed was that when the teacher said, read this, I actually read it. And so just doing the reading gets you so far that we can't even comprehend it. But what we're usually all doing is looking for the answers instead of doing the thing we were asked to do. So what do we do about that? We read for grit sometimes in class we will read for some days 10 minutes some days 15 and then some days they go yo we're reading for grit today we're going 20 25 30 minutes sometimes depending on the passage depending on what we're reading and how it's structured um so for instance like reading a play is a whole lot easier than reading um a short story out loud together right because there, you can have five to six people reading at once and everyone has a character everyone's invested everyone's acting it out as they're going that kind of a thing is easier to go longer on uh than something that is like we're reading the lottery together so one of the ways that i build that stamina is by actually building in activities right and i let kids know look we're doing we're working for grit today like we are not we're bell to bell full tilt let's go this is not an off day this is not a half day this is not a um you know 
something like that. I think it's also creating moments where you're not doing that, where there is time off, where there is just silliness, there is just fun. And so your students are knowing that some days we're going to go real hard and other days we are going to eat cereal in class while we're reading or watching something or doing something together or it's less intense, right? Just like a workout. I think the other thing is really building belief in your students. The last thing, this is the last thing I'd say about that is that if your students realize that why they're doing anything is going to actually help them to become a better person, a better student, a better scholar, then they are more apt to do it. But the belief has to be there. And this is most of us, right? Most of us, if you really, really believed, like truly believed that doing sit-ups got you the body that you wanted to do, most of us would do it. Um, but I think there's a, there's a sense that like, well, no, I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to eat right. I'm not going to put in all this effort on my lesson plans. I'm not going to make all the parent phone calls. Like I don't make parent phone calls because I just don't think they work. They just nine times out of 10, they do not work. They might work for a minute. They might work for the next day, but I don't make phone calls. And I tell parents this because it doesn't work. It's not a, it's not a proven strategy. So, um, so I don't do it. But I know other things in my classroom that do work, that do build in, uh, engagement, that do minimize classroom management disputes. I know that there are things in my own life that I know do bring me energy. So I do drink disgusting green juice every morning with athletic greens inside of it and collagen because I know that it makes me feel better. If you can fulfill, if you can get them so clear on the why, then getting them to do stuff becomes so much less stressful because they really, really believe that this, that you're speaking truth. All right. Our next question comes from Sophia. She's asking, I had a very scary situation happen in my classroom this past week. It scared me as well as other students. How do you go about discussing it next time and hoping for a better class as well? I, you know, Sophia, I'm not sure what happened, but my guess would be something to the like where I would start. Uh, so if this was just like a general, n- not sure what happened, some madness happened in class, outside of class, some sort of trauma, some kind of madness, right? Whatever. Uh, I think where we start is having a conversation with students and creating a safe space for them to talk about whatever it is that they're feeling, talking about what happened. It's acknowledging it. It is never, <clears throat> our school does a really good job right now of of not acknowledging things of horrible things happening and then we just like keep going we just pretend that that thing didn't even just happen we're, or or yeah oh we're dealing with um like something major that's happening and we're just gonna uh say yeah we'll have a meeting about we'll plan a meeting for that um oh this happened in september so in september some really important stuff that I felt like to deal with happened and we didn't have a meeting about it till like friggin' January. And then that meeting was a train wreck. Like it's the same reason I think you, you, like if a kid gets in trouble for something and you're going to do a detention or you're going to do a parent meeting that needs to happen like post haste, not like on Monday or like we'll schedule it out next week sometime. Um, it is about the, those the consequences and the reward have to come quickly after the behavior or the actions. So I think having a safe space to let kids just talk about it, just let it breathe, not pushing for even engagement, but just letting even the quiet, like we're just thinking about this, we're processing it, we're letting it happen. And then reminding kids of 
why you're there, right? Not necessarily telling them the rules, the expectations, what you want to see with them, what you expect, how this fell short of what you wanted. It is saying like, look, I'm here because I love teaching, because I want you to be successful no matter what, because I want this to be the greatest class that you ever took in your life. Um, and I want to work with your other teachers to make sure this is the best year of your schooling that you've ever had. And so to do that, we try to create these safe spaces. We try to create work that's meaningful and engaging and thoughtful that has you in mind. And you kind of, you, you, I think help kids to recenter based on the things that they are doing, right? So like, let me paint this picture for you of what we're trying to do in here or with this school or in this year. And I think sometimes that's a, that's a good starting point, right? We're acknowledging things. We're sharing our thoughts and feelings and letting kids be vulnerable. We're being vulnerable to an extent ourselves. And then we are recentering around what is it that we're actually here to do? Now let's get after it and do that. Uh, I think that that's a good place to start. All right, our next question comes from Laura Green. She's asking, oh, we're switching it up here. What, what are your all-time, what are your top favorite three podcasts? So this changes. Right now, my favorite podcasts are, there's a podcast called Smartless that I just found like less than a year ago, which is Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and the sassy friend from Will and Grace, whose name I cannot remember, uh, the guy that's like 100 miles an hour. They have a really great podcast where they, one of them will invite a guest on. So like maybe Jason Bateman has LeBron James on or right recently Eddie Vedder was on there, Amy Poehler. And then the other two don't know who the guest is going to be. And so it's this kind of surprise. It's really fun because they get like these incredible like A-list folks in every area all the time. Um, one that I really am loving so much is the Ed Milet podcast. He is... Uh, he is just such an amazing, he just seems like such an amazing dude. I, I will meet that guy in my life at some point. I'll figure it out. Uh, so if anyone knows Ed Milet, tell him Reynolds would like to talk to him real quick. Um, but he is, he has great guests on, but it's his interview style. It's his, the way that he's grounded, the way he's thoughtful and caring. And just like his vibe just puts off, like you just want to be around him. And then my other one right now is Build With Rob. Uh, which is uh, Rob Deerdeck's podcast, because I think he is maybe my favorite entrepreneur in the world. Um, and he's a guy that I'll meet one day too. I'll figure, I'll have to figure that out. But he is his, so you, if you, Rob Deerdeck is, if you ever watched Robin Big, if you ever watched Fantasy Factory or Ridiculousness, he's the guy, the host of all those shows. And he's one person on TV. And then, but his, the life he's kind of built for himself, created for himself, and and the things that he's done are really, really inspiring. And uh, he's just going a different way than most, and in a way that I love, especially with regards to like, <clears throat> there's so much like fetishizing around these ideas of like hustle and grind, and I know I get caught up in that as well, very, very easily. But it's how are we living in a in a life balance that we have built for ourselves? How are we living in a rhythm of existence that is, uh, that is helping us to really do good work, but because we are finding a peace and a solitude and a, and a balance in our own lives. And, and that's been really fascinating to me lately. Who are you texting over there? Oh, Laura. Laura Green? 
Yeah, did you say something about Sean Hayes? I wasn't listening. Oh, it was Sean Hayes. He's oh, the other person I wasn't listening. I was on Smartless. That's the other that's host the, of the show. Well, that's what I was texting you I couldn't remember. I'm not going to text you that because now everybody knows. I couldn't remember <laughs> his name. Um, okay. Um, Matt Cole <clears throat> is up next, and he's asking, I am a substitute teacher who is designate, designated to one school, but I am in a different classroom each day. How can I build relationships with students when I'm only with them once every few weeks? Uh, Matt, I think it happens outside of the classroom. It's the get in there early, um, stay a little bit late. Uh, where are you eating lunch? Can you eat lunch with students? Can you eat lunch in the lunchroom? Um, can you just be in the hallways in between classes? And I mean, and I realize sometimes that's easier than others. Like if you are in one classroom for a whole day, that's a, a whole lot easier than if you're moving to different classrooms for a full day. But it is just it's that and it's just having regular conversations about stuff it is not having school conversations it's talking about someone's shirt their shoes their music their hat their hair their um football helmet that they carry with them to class it is it is engaging with kids like that and it's not just engaging with kids that want to look at you in the eye and smile or, or want to shake your hand it's finding it's finding the the hidden kids too it's finding the kids that think they're invisible and letting them know that they are visible. And when we do that, I think one of the things I, I teach teachers when I do talks uh, at different schools and I do lead professional development is that, um, look, the science would show that we gravitate towards things that we are the most familiar with, right? Which is why we, the, we and we like pattern and routine and like we gravitate towards those things. So you sit in the same chair every night, you watch the same TV shows, you eat a lot of the same foods, you dress in a lot of the same colors of clothes and things catch your eye of that nature. Um, you hang out with a certain type of people. And so when we're in school, we are, kids are going to do that also. So if you are just by virtue of being visible, just by kids seeing you more, they will gravitate towards you when they need something, whether that's help, whether that's they want to share a joke or show a YouTube video to, whether that's they're going through something and they really need someone to talk to. Most kids will just, they gravitate towards the person that they are the most familiar with. And so just being visible is one of the ways to really do that. All right, our next question comes from, I'm not sure if this is an actual question again, or. There's a lot of those for you today. There is. Oh, shucks, now I lost it because I wasn't paying attention. Take your time. I could sing. Oh, right It's here. been a. As a retiree mm -hmm. who subs in the local school district, I have found a wide range of class playing clarity. Is it okay to reach out to the teacher beforehand? Yeah, so I think that's fine. Um, I, I, look, Rob, if a if a teacher knows that a sub wants to do a good job, you're gonna win, right? You're gonna be a great a substitute for that for that school. Um, and so, and and I think maybe it's even taking it to if there's if there's a range of clarity sometimes a lack of clarity i think that it's maybe going to the administration and asking like maybe there needs to be a shift around like what is expected of teachers when they are leaving work for substitutes to implement uh i know that i've just as so i've i only subbed for a very small amount of time but in our class in our school we are meant to cover teachers classes constantly and so if someone's out it's just it's mostly just covered by folks that work in the school so 
Some teachers leave work. Some teachers don't leave work. Some teachers try to get you to teach, which I think is a terrible idea, especially if you're having other teachers cover because I already taught five, six classes today. Now I got to do this. Um, it is, but it, it is systematizing or having a system in place for that sort of thing. And so if that's not happening, I think that that's probably a really good idea to bring up to someone in administration and say like, hey, can we come up with a better rhythm for this so that teachers are leaving similar types of work so that it, so that subs are meeting they're walking into a room and it's like okay do i know where the handouts are are there handouts is everything on the computer do the students hand it in at the end of the period do they give it to you tomorrow do they hand it in next week are we like is this a one-off activity like what are we expecting students to do and then getting some clarity around that so that the entire staff has something um ready and I think that that would be really helpful. It wouldn't just be another thing teachers have to do, but it would probably be, I think, less stressful for teachers because there's some clarity around how are we rolling out things when we when we have a sub. Uh, yeah, I think that that would help a lot. So that that's part of what I would do. I would just, I think it's fine to reach out to teachers. I think it's fine for you to get some clarity on the things you want, but then it might be really helpful and useful to people if you went above and beyond and went to someone in the administrative role to to sort of like maybe uh adjust some things and, and fix some things in, in that world someone in the comments said that they would love an email from a sub yeah Even just stating that they got the materials that yeah they got or like how things went or yeah. who did work like i love when people hit me up and they're like yo this person did nothing this person went to the bathroom for 50 minutes yeah. um like a synopsis yeah this kid like whether or not like and these are the kids that worked the whole period so then i even know if they didn't finish the assignment but I, i'm going to give them full credit because i know that they were trying they without all, period, yeah. all the help that they could get because i wasn't there those things matter yeah um okay our next question it comes from miss riz saying hey uh hey mr reynolds it's 7 a.m in new zealand and today oh. is my first day in school as a student teacher any quick first day advice yes first of all the fact that you're beaming in from New Zealand, I just love the internet sometimes. <laughs> uh, I would say there's a lot that I could say. I'm trying to pare it down in my brain. One, teaching is the only job that we are made to feel we need to be the masters at even when we're beginners. So just learn and grow and have grace for yourself. Have fun. Like, don't wait to be the teacher that you that you want to be, Right. Meet those kids with excitement, with love, and don't respect expect anything in return. Because some kids, you might just be like, what's up, man? How are you? And they're just like, um, hi, who are you? It is, you are, you are, when we, when we exude happiness, excitement, silliness, love, anything that is giving, we are just giving. We are separated from the outcome. So if I give someone a gift, I give them a gift. I don't care if they go home. I don't care and put it in a closet. I don't care if they put it under their bed. I don't care if they return it. My job, I'm giving a gift. And so I think that it's important to remember that. Um, and then, look, teaching is a communal activity. Uh, try to be out of your classroom and meeting other teachers and, and creating relationships and bonds with them. Your kids are only there for a year. If you teach high school, they're only there for four years. Um, some of them five years. But uh, <laughs> you're... But those teachers are people that you're going to teach most likely for years and years and years and years with when those kids are long. And some of them, you don't even remember their names when you see them in public. So it is really focusing on those bonds, having fun with it, remembering that, look, even though you're new, 
your ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. You have greatness that you're bringing. So Miss Riz is bringing an element to the table that nobody else has looked at before or thought about or is just going to enhance this opportunity of being a part of this school. Bring that and don't wait to share all that that goodness with other people. Start doing it today. So good luck to you. That's so fun and so awesome. Piano Boy is up next, and he's asking... I have to say real quick, it was really hard for me not to use my terrible New Zealand accent there that I've gotten <laughs> crap for before. I held it I held it in. Good. Okay. You need to get like a little like a meme or something. That like my girl Kafupal would just be like, no. Or who was... Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name. Who was my mentee that lived down there? Uh, she was so wonderful. Hannah. Hannah, yeah. yeah. And she was like, it's not how you say it, mate. And I'm <laughs> Don't like, do it. Don't like, do it. Okay, we're moving on. Piano Boy is asking, how is your week, Reynolds? One. And then two, how did you get to your current management system? What evolved to get you to the state that you are at in classroom management? So I will say, I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second and say that I got an observation the other day um, that I was sweating. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you how you know your school is a mess. You know your school's a mess when they end up on teacher misery, which is not even an Instagram account that I follow because I try not to delve into that world of like focusing on misery but like the <laughs> fact that our school not by name but i knew it someone like you all the teachers even, at school so have been absurd. trained those things are so absurd that end up there like people know for sure without even knowing that it came from their school yeah that it was from their school yeah it is so absurd. it is that's how we know how insane it is but <laughs> i got observed the other day and i was told that my basically my classroom management is flawless that it was so on point that there was not one disruption, not one kid off point, not one kid that was doing anything. And I I kind of couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that I got an observation like that because the all the micromanaging and all the pushback and all the crap that I've had to deal with this year, it was like, wow, you really saw that? Like, I, I know amazing that, that, they told you that I couldn't believe that they would even acknowledge that. Um, and it was a good class and the boys did do a good job. And, and it's not like that every day, but it, like we, it was on point. So I'll, I'll answer my how was my week, the second part. But um, how did I get there? One was by realizing that there are, you know, I often say that there's no, there's no silver bullets in education. There's no one way to do anything. And that I can't just look at someone else's classroom management and take it wholeheartedly. Take it like as a matter of fact that this is how you do it. This is the way it gets done. And this is how we do it. Uh, it that, when you do that, you're factoring out the person. So I have certain strengths and I have certain weaknesses. I have certain things I'm good at and I have certain things that I that are just not my jam. Um, so I can't do hard and fast like, listen, no one's going to talk. No one will ever speak in class unless you're spoken to. You will come in and like, just I don't roll like that. And so once I realized what how who I was as a person and found a way to match that to some aspects of classroom management that helped. Um, so where do I get those ideas from? I think it's from looking at what other teachers are doing. So you might look at some things that I'm doing. You might look at stuff that's in videos or in the book and maybe not all of it works for you. Right. So clearly, because I get, I get angry emails all the time from folks that are like, um, and I don't do this as much anymore, but like when I used to squirt kids with water pistols, um, I just did it cause I thought it was funny and that's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother video and, and, and stuff. <laughs> but like I would do that, but I knew who I was doing it to. 
I knew what classes I could do these things in. I knew what classes. Another thing I get angry emails about is my magic eight ball. So it's like, for those of you that don't know, sometimes when kids have to go to the bathroom, I have them shake a magic eight ball. And if it says outcome, not so good, then they're not allowed to go to the bathroom. But I know who I'm doing that with. I know that the kids that are that want to go to the bathroom as soon as we start reading and then are going to miss 20 minutes of class because they're in the bathroom and they're going to miss the entire reading portion. And then I look at how the, what their reading scores are and I realize that you're really low and I realize that this is an out. Um, I have to navigate that somehow. And sometimes it's just telling kids you can't go to the bathroom. But sometimes I have them shake the magic eight ball. And look, if someone really has to go to the bathroom, you never d- deny a kid ever to go to the bathroom. Um, but it is trying to get kids to stay in class for a little bit so that they can get some of what we're actually trying to teach so they can stop falling behind and start moving forward. Um, that is something that works for me. That's not going to work for everyone else. My friend, Miss Cho, Cho's not going to use a magic eight ball ever in her life. She thinks it's stupid. She thinks it's dumb that I do it. She gets it, but she's like, Reynolds, that's so dumb. I'm never going to use that. So it's really trying to find tiny things that you're going to fix. And then I think the other thing um, is not feeling like you have to do it all at once. I would start with, look, looking at your class, where do kids kind of like get it and they get locked into what you're doing and where are kids not getting locked in and, and it's a wasted moment. So maybe that's your first four to five minutes of class. Um, are kids coming in? Do they know exactly what needs to be done? Do they know exactly when it needs to be done by? Do they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing? And if they don't, how can we get some clarity and some some focus in those four to five minutes to have kids come in and assimilate into the class flawlessly so that you're not screaming and yelling and telling everyone to sit down and move their seats and what they're supposed to be doing, all that nonsense. Um, that's how you do it. So like, and there are ways that you'll try and they'll work. Like I used to do, I used to have a point system. I have a whole video on this. I no longer do that system. And I need to make a video about that also why I got rid of that. But it's like, what I'm trying to do is, um, I have kids that come in and they know that when the bell rings, you don't have to be quiet, but you have to have out on your desk what it says on the board you have to have out. And if you're not in your seat when the bell rings, you're marked as late, unless you were doing something I asked you to or you're helping someone or something like that. But if you're just chilling on the couch or you're just touching people or whatever, you get marked late for class now because you're not in your seat. It's not being in the classroom. For our class, it is being in your seat. Then I put a timer on. You have four minutes, five minutes to do this journal prompt. If it's not done in five minutes, I take your paper away from you. And that's not five minutes for kids that are trying. That's not five minutes for kids that were sitting there thinking about it or we were having a conversation or they're having a hard time thinking about like processing what's being asked. This is five minutes that shuts down nonsense. So you have only five minutes to answer this. And then we're moving on to the next thing, right? So it is like the train is moving. And I find that like, but that came through a series of, identifying that the first four to five minutes are chaotic. How do I get that under control? Then it's, how do I get this next thing? Uh, how do I do the next thing? And remember, classroom management isn't classroom control. It's managing. It's not hard and fast. It is moving. It's rhythms. It's trying to, it's learning how to surf the wave um, and not just like master the ocean or something like that. So I think that that's a few of the things that I'm thinking about when you say that. So did you answer part one? Oh, how was my week? Uh, Monday and Tuesday were okay. Tuesday was was a little nuts. The we were getting we're up for recharter at our school, so there was a lot of people in the school. There were uh, a lot of people out that day. I think there were eight to nine teachers out. We only have a staff. I want to say we have like thirty teachers in our school, maybe forty, something like that. There's not a ton of us. Um, 
so Wednesday I took off. Uh, I, I, you know, John Lopez, I think, infected me with the intentional flu, uh, as he calls it. So I took the day off and I went and got a massage in the morning. I went to breakfast with my kids and my wife. We went out and just got like croissants somewhere and took a walk, went to some stores. I went to my buddy's bar for lunch, um, came home, played some video games, like just had a really great day. It was like a Saturday. Yeah. Thursday, they made me pay for it at school because we had 11 teachers out. I had to have my second coverage of the week. Um, and that was a lot of sassy emails spent back to the administration about how I will no longer do more than one coverage a week, no matter what. Um, and then Friday was a pretty good day. We went and saw Batman on Friday. We did. That um, it was date night on Friday and Saturday we still, we went to my friends. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's, it's been good. So, and I think it's been good because we are putting on the calendar and in, being intentional about mental well-being and health and rest and uh rejuvenation that's the word it's not just rest it's all to me about replenishment and rejuvenation so yeah so it was, it was overall it was a good week thursday was rough um it's to be expected when you have like 11 and 12 teachers out. i know that's man crazy. this shit was crazy um okay our next question comes from logan how do teachers decide to stay whether it's worth um whether it's worth it to stay in the profession. Logan, this is this is the question right now. I I will say this. I don't know it, it, I think it's a question of look, is it staying in the profession or is it staying in the job you currently have? So, I although I am not returning to my school next year, it's really like it's not about teaching. I'm not done. I'm not tired of teaching. Um per se, because I know that if I worked in a school that I really wanted to be at, that had really good leadership, that had a clear vision and goal, that um, was ethical, was thoughtful, was um, was treated teachers like they were actual professionals and acknowledged them. Um, you just have a really great, we probably won't get this to it because it's so far down, right. but there's a great question in here that's directly connected to so we can just ask that when i'm done if you want okay okay so um then of course i'd want to be at that school because you can be who you are you know some of i think the hard part about being at a school that is difficult um is that you lose sense of who you are and why you were there and so then you don't want to be there anymore because you're not you anymore and you want to bring you to the table you want to that is something that's exciting to you that is that is amazing that feels good and you want to be there uh, but when you don't get to bring your gifts that's like if you're like listen iron man no more shooty things out of your hands anymore right and flying we're going to need you to walk or run places um but let us know when you're going to walk and run there um but just stop like leave the amazingness at the door just come in and just be c3po um it's like well why do i want to stay there i have i have all this cool stuff i i want to be awesome for kids right the end um so I think that's that's part of it. I think the other thing is, what are you called to do? I think it's an intuitive thing, right? So I feel like my next move, um, right now, I'm feeling like that may not be teaching young people anymore. I think that might be, it may be helping teachers. And so going full tilt on things like this and really trying to help teachers to unlock who they are and what they're capable of and then helping them to really see how that would look and how that would be and how they could be that in their class, be the fullest, greatest version of themselves to actually teach their class off. I think that might actually be 
my next move, but that's something that for me, I pray about, I think about, and I talk to good people about, not just anybody, not just anyone gets that gets that insight in, into the world of Reynolds. It's people that I trust, people that I can count on, people that are um, going to give me an answer. And that's not just people that I think are going to give me the answer that I want. It's people that I think are going to give me the answer that I need. And so it's that's how some of the ways that I gain clarity around what is my next move and what, what I'm supposed to be doing next. So what was that? Oh, I just thought this other question was really great. Um, I can't find it to pop it up on the screen. Sure. But I can just read it. Um, it's from Bryce Davis. He says, I work at a K-12 school, and we are projected to be a B school for the first time. Admin has given us Correct. a ton of tests. As a group, we brought up that we have been given more than ever before. Part two, our, response, our principal's response was, this is a quote, Either do what I ask you to do, or I can find teachers that will. Do you have any advice for admin that isn't listening to teacher feedback? So, what was their name? Bryce? Bryce, yeah. Bryce, I... It's just very... This is the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I say that um, that isn't good leadership. Good leadership isn't do what I say to do or or... That's it. It's the death of your career. It's the death of this opportunity. It's the death of, of what you're doing. But it is a way to get people to fear and to and to to, to concede the point to to do what is being asked to do. Um, and so when that happens, I think that it really takes some thought around: Is this where I want? Do I want to work for someone like that? Do I want to be on a on a pirate ship? Right? Like do or I do I want to like do I want to be on a pirate ship where the captain is like, no, you're going to do this. You're going to walk the plank. And we'll find some other sad bastard that's going to take your role. Like, do I want to work for someone like that? And then I think it's really having a belief that, look, I think teachers, when when this kind of stuff happens, it is very easy to start thinking you're not good enough. You're not a professional. You you don't have what it takes. Like, I, like this is probably what I deserve or how I should be treated. Instead of realizing that you are destined for something far greater than that, that you have really great skills and vision and abilities to do something amazing but when schools try to try to do stuff like that i'm gonna tell you i just say no like i just say no to stuff and like i i and i'm not telling everyone to do this i'm not telling everyone to just like put their flag in the ground like i do um because it's it's my situation it is my personality it is the years that I've been teaching, it is my confidence. It is, it, there's a lot of other factors at play here. Yeah, but I just don't suffer fools well. If I think a meeting's not important, I leave. If I think that a meeting's not important on Zoom, but I know that I'm supposed to be there, I play a video of me paying attention. I do it all the time. I wear the exact same outfit. I record a video for 30 to 60 seconds, and then I play it as my background and close my camera so that um, it looks like I'm sitting there paying attention. I don't go to meetings that I don't think are important all the time. Um, I tell my admin that I will or will not do certain things because they are against, they're ethically and morally wrong. Um, and so I just, that's something that I do, even if they say that I'm going to lose my job for it. My job is to go and educate young people. My job is to help kids believe that they can and then help them to, to draft a map to, to success. And that is the only thing I care about. I don't care about your standards. I don't care about your objectives on the board. I don't care about your your lesson plans. I don't care about all that other stuff. Now, look, is that to say that you shouldn't do all that stuff? No, because if you're working for someone, 
that is like, look, this is why we do lesson plans and here's our vision and here's what we're trying to do. And it's all about kids and we're, we're scaffolding all this stuff. It's going to be really sick and great. And we have this amazing vision. It's going to be awesome because we're about kids. That's different. When we have folks telling us to do stuff like change student grades, because otherwise we're going to get into a lawsuit with a potential, um, student parent because that student has an IEP and we're as a school not fulfilling that IEP adequately. So we have to fudge grades so that the parent doesn't say anything. I'm not doing it. I just don't do it. And I write a note and I write an email and say, I will not change these grades because you're not doing your job. So I think it is really talking to the teachers also in your school and trying to figure out like, where are we? What are we trying to do? But having a proactive conversation, not just a conversation where folks are complaining about stuff, there's, there, there is a time and a place and a reason to just vent, but as it becomes a cycle, we need to put a stop to it and say, what are we doing? Can we have a conversation about what we're actively going to do? And I'll tell you where I am at my school is like, those conversations have happened at nauseam. And at this point, it's like, this is not a healthy place to be anymore. So this is why I'm moving on. Um, and I, and if you don't think there's another place for you to go, for you to teach, for you to do what you're doing, I'd ask you to look again because there's such a wild teacher shortage right now. So for anyone that thinks like, look, I live in, you know. Actually, there was a really good thread in our group about that. And it's weird. It's not even and across the board. It's different for every state. Yeah. Some it's per subject. They were saying math is really empty. So just, you know. It's worth really looking out there and seeing what's available. Um, and, and, and seeing if there's a better place for you. You know, when I talk to like some of my friends, I won't out their names, but like people that have left jobs in the last year and have found somewhere else. And they're like, no, my life. You're literally happy. Yeah. They're so happy that they're just like, no, I'm in a place that like, I don't deal with all that stuff I anymore. I thought of that one day the other day where you had like a terrible staff meeting and came home and it was like, you were so angry. I and went to bed I for know. three hours. And you woke up and you were still like really miserable. And it was just a hard night. And I just thought like, look at what we all have to endure, not just through you, but just through like all teachers or people that yeah. are in those environments and then have to go home to their families. Like their, their home lives feel the stress that's in the school environments as well. It's not just the teachers that are there too. Yeah. All of them. Okay. Let's jump back up to where we were. Got Michael it. Wilson is next. Um, spring break survival guide. Our kids are losing their minds and we have a whole week left before break. Have you ever struggled with this and what has gotten you through? So Michael, this, yes, every teacher that has ever been on the outside of a break, uh, is losing their mind. Like here's the one thing, right? One, Michael, I'd say it is a, I think part of it is like, you can't need the break as much as we oftentimes need the break. We look at the break as like this thing on a pedestal and if I could just get there, if I could just make it to heaven, I'll be okay. And it's not it's not like that because then you have to come back. There's not a, a week is not enough time off to really recenter. I think that what we need to be doing is figuring out ways to recalibrate our lives so that break is nice, but it's not and it may be even needed, but it's not needed on the level of which it is it becomes our savior, right? Um so that's that's one. I think it's starting to figure out how can I implement break in my life now? How do I like so Wednesday night is like friends night for me. Is fr like I keep talking about this, but I think it's important. Friday night is um is date night. Uh I have uh 
you know, mandatory one hour family time every night with my kids, right? Where like we watch a movie together, play a game, do a puzzle, something, right? It's implementing break light moments in your everyday life. Um, I spend, which feels like an enormous amount of money. I spend $3.45 on a medium uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee every week with uh, every day with just cream, no sugar, um, <laughs> so that I can get out of my building for 10 minutes, call my wife, get some light, some air, uh, and just talk to my family for, for 10 minutes before I go back into school and get a delicious uh, caffeinated treat. Um, well, you know, pretty delicious. It's Dunkin' Donuts. But um, it is building those things in. I think the other thing is, uh, you know, sometimes right before break, it's either, it's a mix, right? You have two different kinds of kids. It's either getting real clear on what the expectations are and you're building to something this week. So there's a lot of quiet work. There's a lot of reading and answering questions or doing stuff silently or working on a project um, where you're creating something that is not a Socratic seminar. It's not kids moving around the room and stations and all this room for madness. It is woosah. We're coming in. We're, we're, we're calming it down and we're entering into this thing in a certain way. Um, or you find a way to do something that that is calming. Look, so like a lot of people would say like, you don't just watch movies, there's too much rigor at stake, right? But it, can we watch something that is engaging, but we're also learning through it? We never watch a movie that doesn't get paused 95 times during a class in my class. Never, ever, 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 right? So if we're watching next week, um, we'll be watching parts of, of Mice and Men because we're finishing the book. Um, I just keep pausing it. We keep talking. There's higher level thinking happening. We are communicating back and forth. It's active listening. It is taking notes of what you're thinking and feeling and what, you know, it's all this stuff. But there is this sort of thing that I know works. You know, when you put a screen in front of your students that they calm down, that they center and they can pay attention. But it is setting that expectation. You're not on your phone. You're not talking. You're not doing something else. This isn't a throwaway period. I'm trying to build something. And if that doesn't work, right? So not all classes do the same thing. You do it like this. You don't tell kids that you're taking things away. You tell them that I see that we're not finding success in doing this activity. So we're going to have to switch it up and do something that we are finding success with. Um, so that is, that's part of how I do that. Uh, but I do it and I, I think it, it works because um, it's different for each class. It's different for each year. But then I also am going into it not just like, just trying to like, I don't want to be one of those people you see on online. If you ever saw someone like trying to finish a marathon and they're barely making it, they're like crawling on the ground, their body's convulsing and they look like they're in from the walking dead or something. It is like, and then they make it to the finish line. I don't, I don't want to do that. I wouldn't be a guy that's just like, maybe I can't run anymore, but I'm strolling across that thing, man. I mean, I'm not like, I don't want to be on that much of the struggle bus. So I just think that that really helps. Our next question comes from Wendy. She's asking, what are your thoughts on PBIS? I'm struggling to see it as little more than reward for responsibility and accountability for teachers in dealing with discipline. Do we know what PBIS is? Yeah, it's uh, positive behavioral intervention support. Um, I think this is a great question. Uh, and I think it's a great question because it depends on what is going to work for it's it, it, it sometimes it's an over incentivizing of 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 regular behaviors just stuff we need to see like we're on kickboard and did you bring out your pencil points did you uh oh are you sitting down points 
Um, oh, you remembered your paper day? Points. Oh, you didn't? Points off. And so I, I think, what, look, what we want is kids to intrinsically want to learn, want to behave well, want to be a part of the class, want to be a part of the community, uplift one another, um, seek, like really be clear about their dreams and getting after it and then getting after it. But the fact of the matter is that that's not where all people are. They're young, right? They're, they're, they're just not there all the time. So it, it creates... It requires an enormous amount of patience, amount of recentering, amount of uh, Chris Carson's word, favorite word, pivoting, um, to get to that place. Uh, so, look, I would say, Wendy, that I don't know that any plan is ever is. There's no program out there that is the thing. There's no program out there that it, like schools want to find the saving grace, the moment. The thing, the program, the the platform, the the yeah, exactly. If we could just make school like this, right? That's the problem I have with a lot of charter schools that think like if this we've mastered, we figured it out. We have mastered how to educate young people is a lie. You can't do that. There's no one way to eat a Reese's, right? And so there's no one way to teach or to incentivize or to or to punish or to um, deal with things like discipline and things of that nature. I think it's far more personal than that. But when we make it personal, oh, now there's so much more work to do. And it, now you made it weird. Now we have to do all this extra stuff. And like now what? Like we have to have individualized education plans for every single kid. I'm not talking about doing that, but I think we can do more of that. I think it's about knowing who your kids are, knowing what helps and hurts them, knowing what they respond to and how they respond to different things, whether that be discipline or whether that be incentives, and then doing that. Um, that a high five and yelling, uh, you're great in the hallway is something that not everyone wants. Some kids just want quiet. They want a silent pat on the back. They want a post-it note on their desk. They want a card that you wrote to them or an email or something like that, where it's not just the same thing all the time. Um, so I think anytime we try to overly homogenize anything, it's just not a good move. There are some platforms I think are better than others, but like, um, but for some kids, right? Like, like, yeah. So I think that's what it comes down to. This hair is still doing it. It's still, it's still dan it's dancing to the beat of its own drummer. Oh my gosh. Are you ready for another one? Or Let's do it. All right. Um, Jordan is asking, it's a two-parter. She's like asking him, I am returning to school after being gone for a week. I had the same sub every day that left daily updates. I've never been before. General advice for returning to my kids to tomorrow. So she never took off before yeah. like that. Um, how would you check in with kids about how the week went from their perspective and move forward after not getting much work done, work that needs to be done by April? So one, um, Jordan, I think it's about, I don't know why you were out, but like it, that doesn't even matter. Um, Cause whether you were out because you like had a funeral or something horrific happened um, or you were out cause you were like, yo, I need a week off and I'm losing my mind slowly. Uh, it is, you, it is what it is. You were out, you will recalibrate and you will figure it out. And so I think it's going back in the school and telling kids that you miss them, telling kids what you did for the week, telling kids why you were out. Um, talking to kids about, well, how was the week? How was the sub? What happened? What didn't happen? How much work got done? What did you, what else happened in, in the world of school this week? Like, like fill me in what's going on around here. You know, like I, I, I there's just a lot that happens in a given day. So, uh, I think it's creating that space with all of your classes to really do that. And then entering back in 
slowly recalibrating, reminding students of expectations of being clear on what you need and what you want and what is at stake here, and then getting excited about the next thing that you're doing. I think coming back and being inquisitive uh, as to what was going on and what's happening in students' lives and being excited about what's about to happen next is far better than coming back any other way, like literally any other way, even with the best intentions in mind. It is about kids knowing that you love them, that you care about them, that you miss them, that you're showing back up and that you're ready to roll and that you are excited about what's next. And sometimes that takes a little bit of faking because you're not as excited or you're feeling apathetic or you're fe- not apathetic, you're feeling anxious. Um, it's, I think, about showing up and being really uh, just in inspired, letting kids know that you're inspired to be back and that that you're ready to move on to what's next for all of you. I think that that's how I would enter back into that. All right. Um, do you want to keep going or do you want to go with a hot button topic question? Go for it. <laughs> Give me the hot button topic question. All right. It's from Trish. She's asking, wondering what you think about schools of ed. Do you think they're adequately preparing teachers to actually teach? Are schools of ed responsible for failing literacy? Ooh-wee. So I, you know, that's a, a good, that's a good one in my heart. Trish, I am, I'm not someone to say that there's one thing that's the problem, right? I don't know that it's parent involvement. I don't know that it's schools. I don't know that it's admin. I don't know that it's teachers. I don't know well, that it's programs. About yeah. So, so, but to okay, that point, sorry. right. So I don't know that it's schools of education are the reason kids are not doing well. Um, I've seen, I've had a lot, a lot of teachers come through my room over the years. And I'll say that there are some schools, like I've done a lot of work with St. Joe's university in Philadelphia and they have their student. One of the things I love that they do is I didn't step into a classroom until the latter part of my junior year of college going to school for education. Right? Like, so that was the, like, uh, my timeframe is a little bit jankier than that, a little bit weirder than that, but it is like, um, is janky offensive? I don't know what that word. I don't know where I came from. Anyway, well, I hope not because I didn't mean it. Um, anyway, the I'm not so like, but they have their students in the first quarter, the first semester of freshman year. They're already in schools like multiple days a week. Are they like doing field work? They're interacting with students. They are getting a real oh, sense and feel. Awesome. It's unbelievable. I've never heard of a school doing that before. Um, now look, I think on. On some level, it, I, I would imagine it's difficult on a university level um, to really get a sense to have kids or students get a sense of what teaching's like. I do think that teaching, learning how to teach in college is like learning how to box or swim in a classroom. You can watch fights on TV. You can watch people swim on TV. You can talk about the properties of H2O and like what H2O means and what happens if someone's drowning in theory, but it's a lot of theory. Right. But I think that teaching is like getting your ass kicked off the high dive on the first day of school or punched in the mouth. And then what are you going to do now? Right. So like uh, I think Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And so I think that it is really looking at schools and are they giving kids an actual real picture of what school is like? Um, I, I, I there is I sometimes am concerned when I speak at colleges, which I get to do quite a bit. And I really, really love, especially when it's like, so yesterday, like I said, I spoke at Rutgers um, 
And, but sometimes I'll have a uh, student reach out to me and say, that was the most I learned about education um, in the four years I've been here. Now, look, I know that that's not true. I know that that's like an over-dramatization, uh, even from a student perspective. But what it is, is like, how much real are we teaching folks? How much real are we teaching them? Not just about curriculum and educational law and like um, lesson planning, but like, are we teaching kids to lesson plan with, in, with engagement in mind, with students in mind, with families and communities and, and social issues in mind? Um, I think that there's a lot to play there. So no, I don't think that they are the thing, um, but I think some schools do add to the, they do pour gasoline on the fire. So, but more specifically, the sure. other part of the question is, are schools of ed responsible for failing literacy? So, like, I mean, the question really is, is, like, in, in law, and you smile because, and this you know is the reason say. I say this, and the reason I even ask this one, because it's close to my heart, is do, are, are, are teachers that are learning to be teachers, especially in the realm of reading and literacy, are they really being taught the correct ways, like, my complaint as a mom of, of a child who is dyslexic and, and where real change is going to happen is it's going to come on the on the college level for teachers that like, are we really teaching teachers how to look out for, for reading issues or how reading should be really taught so like phonics based or more science, like, right? Like Orton Gillingham to like every, to me, every teacher that's coming out of college should know, should be Orton Gillingham trained. Why yeah. not? It's, it's the root in science behind how but we But you know why they're not. They're not right? because we don't. So I would agree with this woman. Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania in general, I don't, I don't know how their states roll, is not required to test kids for dyslexia. So even during the, if you put in paperwork, you want your kid tested to see if they should get a, an IEP. You are not required to test for dyslexia, but when like, I, what is the percent? How many people have dyslexia? One in five. One in five. I would argue it's it's one in four now. I guess. Yeah. People have said. So one in four. Even if it's one in five people, are dealing with something like dyslexia. The fact that we're not teaching people to, how to work with that, that that most students that come through my room can't even define it. They think they go, oh, that's when you see your letters backwards, right? But they don't realize that no, those kids can't ride a bike. Those kids process differently. Those students that have dyslexia can't tie their shoes. Those kids with the kids with dyslexia, there's a, a there's a there's a huge umbrella shift that happens in those young people that they are not going to grasp the material you are putting in front of them, and so and then we try to over homogenize that and say, oh, we have um, reading foundations, we have um, we have thing that things that are in place that are that are gonna help kids like that, and it's like no, they're they're not. What we need is is hard and fast and real um, things that are going to help, like uh, get these kids up to to, to speed, uh, to get them to where they can are actually learning how to work within. And we're not making them feel small. We're not putting them in the self contained room um, where we just like to put all the kids that are different. Um, what we're doing is implementing this in real life. And that all teachers know how to do it. All teachers know how to identify, but we're not, I don't think we do enough to teach what so-called regular ed teachers about so-called special education students. We are not, we are, we are segregating those kids and, and not teaching them. Those are the kids that fall by the wayside. That's what I talk about in my book that school is created for vanilla children. But what happens when you have a kid that's Rocky Road or mint chocolate chip, that is mint chocolate chip and Rocky Road are not things that are bad. 
right? Mint chocolate chip is actually delicious. Um, and and I, I prefer it to vanilla ice cream, but it's just not the average, right? It's just not the, the norm. That what's not the norm is not something that's bad. It's it's something that's just different. And we we create these classrooms, these curriculums, these lesson plans, these ideas as schools and institutions and colleges that focus on the re so-called regular kid and not on everyone else. And that is what's maddening. So I don't know that it's just colleges that are doing it because I think it's the institution at large, the educational institution at large is failing young people that are slightly left of what we are used to teaching. So I have a couple of interesting comments. Um, Zoe J politely said, she said, no offense, but as an outsider, the American education system is messed up. That she also said, we test every kid whenever they enter a new school. All our teachers are trained for special ed. Yes. How is that not? Where is she from? I forget. She's, I forget where she's from. I, she said it a few times, but I can't find it right now. Um, I'm sure she'll add it in there. Well, because we but, don't really value education, no, right? No, so uh, Maisha said, interesting, she also said that there's a very thick line between general education and special education. Yes. Exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. Um, and then when we put these... Yeah, I have. I we, but, this is but, very long. Listen, it is, and we here's here here's where it goes next. Because then you try to ask for help, you try to get a kid services, you try to move the the bar, and what does your principal say? You're going to do what I say, yeah. or we'll find somebody in else that school, will. In our school district, I had a few teachers who um, fought for special education in different areas, and they were penalized and by the system and put in positions that they were supposed to be like worse, like a self-contained classroom. They were, the, they were the superintendent yep. of the school district that we were in, the Honestly. teachers showed up at a, at a PTA, PTA, what was yeah, it? School board, board meeting. meeting and spoke out in a very, I, what I thought was very polite, very like organized, organized professional, manner. professional manner. And they were taken from jobs that they had co-taught with someone for over 20 years years and put in positions where it was like oh no now you're going to teach all the ed kids all the kids that are emotionally disturbed that aren't getting the services that they require or that they are they are uh i think that are rightfully theirs we're going to put you in a room with someone um this woman was in a room and uh with someone that was in there to help her uh that slept in the corner the whole period and the kids just ran wild it was like it was a nightmare but it was like you want to speak up this is what's going to happen to you um and i really think that that takes teachers getting together teachers voicing their opinions regard like it, yeah it's it is it is a community a this is why teaching is a communal activity is a community coming together um to push back, to say what's wrong and, and to not just say what's wrong, but to come up with a plan for what is better. And I think that like, I never go to, I, I damn near never go to any meeting that I don't have a, an idea of what at least I'd like to see, what I think we should move towards, what I think is, is best for our school, what I think we could consider. Um, it's showing up with something that is, that you can do to, to make this better. Um, but look, to be honest with you, that's why we're on that. Look, yo, y'all that show up every Sunday, um, give up your Sunday to talk about this kind of thing. This is what you're doing. You are you are active. Let, let's like just be real about that. You are actively trying to make your classroom, your school, your community, your life better, um, or the lives of students and their families better by just showing up and listening, sharing, asking questions. This is like, like it's Sunday afternoon, man. Like, or if you're in New Zealand, it's eight o'clock in the morning. But like, 
it is like it's it's awesome this is awesome that you're doing this stuff right we're trying to make real change in real time and be the teachers that we're called to be so that we can help kids find success in their lives and then then we just then you just change the world after that that's basically what you just did so look um i would love to keep going we've been on for an hour and 15 minutes i do have to go spend family time because it is sunday um and it's un- it's curiously warm and what are you making right now Nacho Crunch Burgers. That's what we're getting into right now. So, gang, we will see you next week. Look, the last thing I can say, look, if you could please um, hit the like button on this. Um, and if you want to subscribe to the channel, that'd be great. You'll get notifications if you hit the little bell every week. But like hitting the, the thumbs up button, um, we are learning, pushes the algorithm. So more teachers are going to get to see the questions you're asking to participate and talk with you every week in the, in the chat. Um, so please do that. And if there's uh, anything else we can do, you can go right to realrapwithreynolds.com uh, and we can help you there. Uh, be a part of our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. We're just trying to make pathways and pipelines for teachers to be the teachers are called to be and really to get them more and more opportunities to connect with you all who are doing the real work in real time and are doing great stuff. Um, that's it. Anything else? Nope. See you next week, gang. Peace. Have a great week.